Welcome to our podcast on A Course in Miracles. We're so happy to have you with us. We're now in Dubai and we're still working on Chapter 4, Section 2, The Ego and False Autonomy. And this is Paragraph 8. The ego believes it is completely on its own, which is merely another way of describing how it thinks it originated. This is such a fearful state that it can only turn to other egos to try to unite with them in a feeble attempt at identification or attack them in an equally feeble show of strength. It is not free, however, to open the premise to question because the premise is its foundation. The ego is the mind's belief that it is completely on its own. The ego's ceaseless attempts to gain the spirit's acknowledgement and thus establish its own existence are useless. Spirit in its knowledge is unaware of the ego. It does not attack it. It merely cannot conceive of it at all. While the ego is equally unaware of spirit, it does perceive itself as being rejected by something greater than itself. Yeah, I think that's an uh, important line. Read that line again. Um, while the ego is while the ego is equally unaware of spirit, it does perceive itself as being rejected by something greater than itself. Yeah, so that's a source of insecurity. You know that. You know, part of our mind stuck in the ego, stuck in separation, is insecure and feels rejected and feels isolated. This and it says, well, that's the nature of the ego. It, it, uh, it thinks that it's totally on its own. It believes it's completely on its own. This is why self-esteem in ego terms must be delusional. The creations of God do not create myths although creative effort can be turned to mythology. It can do so, however, only under one condition. What it makes is then no longer creative. Myths are entirely perceptual and so ambiguous in form and characteristically good and evil in nature that the, the most benevolent of them is not without fearful connotations. I don't understand that about mythology. Well, myths, it's like a, yeah, an, image, an image you made <laughs> right, of yourself right. or an image you made of your life or a situation. And this is saying that the ego makes that up in, in its separated version. Mm -hmm. And it could form alliances and special relationships and, um, you know, other egos uh, kind of uh, in a alliance on its behalf uh, but it's still a mythology and it's not creative and it's still not without its fearful connotations and also it says characteristically good and evil so it divides people into those who are for me and th those who are against me mm. and and that's the way the ego operates yeah Myths and magic are closely associated since myths are usually related to ego origin and magic is magic to the powers the ego ascribes to itself. Mythological systems generally include some account of the creation and associate this with its particular form of magic. 
The so-called battle for survival is only the ego struggle to perceive itself and its interpretation of its own beginning. This beginning is usually associated with physical birth because it is hard to maintain that the ego existed before that point in time. The more religiously, religiously ego-oriented may believe that the soul existed before and will continue to exist after temporary lapse into ego life. Some even believe that the soul will be punished for this lapse. However, salvation does not apply to spirit which is not in danger and does not need to be salvaged. Wow. Oh. Well, we've made quite a mythology for ourselves, you know. Even even this creation of ourselves, who created us and you know, we have these Adam and Eve mythologies where Adam and Eve were kicked out of paradise and it's it's um you know it's a whole it's a whole story that's not even true that we believe and then it says well you need to be saved from that but but seeing that your spirit and spirit doesn't need to be saved from anything that's that's kind of a yes salvation is important as long as you think you're an ego and you have to give up the ego but then once you've seen you're not an ego you're spirit and there's nothing to really give up because it's all mythology mm. you're giving up nothing basically you're giving up the non-true and once you see that then spirit is in a state of grace and spirit doesn't need salvation Something yeah, like that. Yeah, and that's what it says. Salvation is nothing more than right-mindedness, which is not the one-mindedness of the Holy Spirit, but which must be achieved before one-mindedness is restored. Yeah, it's a preparation. It, it would be sal salvation only makes sense when you're stuck in hell. Okay? So once you've liberated yourself from this belief in the ego's thought system which makes a hell that's that's the purpose of the miracle mm. it is to correct that okay and that would be right mindedness now one mindedness is and it capitalizes that mm -hmm. that's once you're fully aware of your spirit and you're of one mind with with your creator mm. and then you're like in the heaven state so right-mindedness is what you need when you're in hell. Mm -hmm. You need to correct your thinking and get, you get into right-mindedness. Mm -hmm. One-mindedness is after you've left hell and now you're, you're fully realized in your identity as spirit and you're one with your creator. That's one-mindedness. But, but in order to get to one-mindedness, you first have to correct your perception. Mm -hmm. And that's what salvation is. It's the correction of our perception while we're stuck in the ego's thought system. Right-mindedness leads to the next step automatically because right perception is uniformly without attack and therefore wrong-mindedness is obliterated. The ego cannot survive without judgment and is laid aside accordingly. 
The mind then has only one direction in which it can move. Its direction is all, always automatic because it cannot but be dictated by the thought system to which it adheres. Okay, so when you give up the ego's thought system of attack thoughts and grievances and judgments and fear and guilt and anger, then there's only an inevitable move towards right-mindedness. And then that prepares this way for you to totally be outside of perception altogether, which would be, you know, I am spirit. Mm -hmm. I am spirit is lesson 97. So that's the statement of our identity. But we have a lot of forgiveness to do a lot of miracles to perform, a lot of letting go and undoing that has to happen before we can be in that, that realization. It cannot be emphasized too often that correcting perception is merely a temporary expedient. It is necessary only because misperception is a block to knowledge while accurate perception is a stepping stone towards it. Okay, so so like there's two different levels now. Let's let's just get this because this this uh, text is making it clear. There's knowledge which is beyond perception, and that would be knowledge of spirit, right? Mm -hmm. I am spirit. Spirit is in a state of grace forever. My reality is only spirit. Therefore, I'm in a state of grace forever. Now, that is knowledge, but that doesn't require perception. However, perception is a step, right perception is a stepping stone to knowledge. It's not knowledge, but you have to be in right perception in order to step into the knowledge. Yeah. So if you're in wrong-mindedness where you've got attack thoughts and grievances and judgments and anger and fear and guilt, you're not going to be able to step into right-mindedness. You're not going to be able to step into knowledge. Knowledge won't reach you because you're too preoccupied with illusions, right? Mm -hmm. So. So perception has to be corrected first, and that's what this whole Course in Miracles is, is to correct our perception through forgiveness. Okay, the so whole, go on. The whole value of right perception lies in the inevitable realization that all perception is unnecessary. Yeah, okay. This removes the block entirely. You may ask how this is possible as long as you appear to be living in this world. That is a reasonable question. You okay, stop be. there. So, so like it's saying, there's a point where even perception is not needed. Mm -hmm. but, but that's a pretty high state. And then, and then it's saying, well, you might ask, well, how is it possible for me to live here in the physical world without perception? It's, it's almost impossible. If you're in a body, you have perception. Mm -hmm. You have your five senses. So, so now that's the question on the table. Like, yes, there's a transcendent uh, stage beyond perception where you step into knowledge. But if we're here in a body in this world, how can we do that? Because we seem to need our perception in order to be here. Mm -hmm. So how, how can we give up perception while in this physical dimension? That's the question. Yeah, you must be careful, however, that 
you really understand it. Who is the you who are living in this world? You told me this the other day. Yeah. Spirit so, is immortal and immortality is a constant state. It is as true now as it ever was or will be because it implies no change at all. It is not a continuum, nor is it understood by being compared to the op- to an opposite. Knowledge never involves comparisons. That is its main difference from everything else the mind can grasp. Okay. So, so now it's saying, who is the you asking that question? Mm-hmm. When you say, well, how can... How can I, or how can you exist in this physical dimension without perception? All right, now it says, but did you ask yourself, who is the you asking that? Is it the ego, or is it the true self asking the question who is the you asking the question like well uh, I don't think I can give up perception because I'm here in a physical plane and blah 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 well okay that's true but it's it's the ego asking that you see so so like if you see that how subtle the deception is like the, the ego, you're going to tell the ego, okay, there's, there's a state beyond perception that's knowledge. All right. And then the ego's going to say, and, and then, it, then, then it says, you don't even really need perception anymore. Then the ego's going to say, well, how am I going to give up perception while I'm living in this physical dimension? Well, it's the ego asking that. So... And I want to emphasize this again. The end of the ego is not its destruction, but its translation into heaven. So so it's like the forgiven ego is what we're after here, not the end of the ego. I mean, the, while we're in this dimension of the physical plane, we will have an ego. But is it a forgiven ego? Is it a totally forgiven ego? And we that ego has forgiven every other ego, you know. So you see the the valuelessness of the ego, as far as your identity is concerned. I am spirit, but then you also see. Well, I have a mission here to use the body as a tool to communicate that I am spirit, right, to other people who have confused. So you have that mission. But it's the spirit using the body. It's the spirit using the perception to, to undo perception. You know, I know that sounds like a, a paradox, but um, we're trying to free people from their identification with the ego. And we need our ego and our body to do that at this level, mm-hmm. at this level. So I think that's a good question. Who is the you who's asking the question? Is it your is it your Holy Spirit self that has a mission to liberate others? Or is it your ego being afraid to give itself up? You know? Read just read that one that one section again starting uh 
uh, okay, the whole value of right perception lies in the inevitable realization that all perception is unnecessary. This removes the block entirely. If you didn't have perception, you'd be in knowledge and you'd be in the certainty I am spirit. But okay, but then it says, you may ask how is this possible as long as you appear to be living in this world? That is a reasonable question. You must be careful, however, that you really understand the question. Who is the you who are living in this world? Yeah. So have you made contact with the spirit? That would be a different you than somebody who hasn't made contact with the spirit. Mm -hmm. So if, if all you know is the ego, then it's, an, it's kind of a, a fearful question to say you don't need perception anymore. But if you've made contact with the spirit, there are those moments outside of time, and I'm sure you've had them too with Babaji, where you are beyond perception. You are beyond the limitations of your ego. And you entered into this holy dimension, you know, and you had an experience of that, and you that's undeniable. You can't say you didn't have those experiences but with Babaji. I can't say I didn't have those experiences with Tara Singh, where I was totally outside the realm of the ego. Well, that is who is in this dimension now, and that's the, that's the identity that can um, at least temporarily suspend perception and go into the realm of knowledge, which doesn't rely on perception. Did I keep reading or are that No, I think that's enough. So and this, this is a really deep point, and I think we all have to look at this, just that last paragraph mm -hmm. in, in that section. Yeah. And beca because it's such a subtle realization that you're here not as an ego, and yes, you use your perception, but it's in the service of liberating yourself from perception into knowledge. And knowledge would be, you know, when you get so close that you've forgiven everything, yourself, everybody, and you're certain you are spirit, then you, revelation can happen and knowledge can be given you. But you have, you have to, like, I mean, that's a big job to forgive everything. Mm -hmm. And also to see that you're not a body, you're spirit. Most people can't make that leap. They're too preoccupied with, with the ego's world, you know. But it's a challenge. And, and Jesus is laying it out very clearly in these, in these early chapters. So I think uh, it's good that we're facing it. Thank you. Alrighty.